Welcome back to Let's Talk About God. It's that time again. Sure is. <laughs> it's the most wonderful time. Oh, that's wrong. That's not that's not that's the wrong time. That'll be next month. That'll be next month. Little Christmas. I've already got my Christmas stuff up though. No, you don't. I sure do. Because Elizabeth's pregnant, and after she has the baby, she's not going to feel like helping me with it. So we just went ahead and did it. So if I came over to your house, yes, I would be in Christmas land. 100%. I'm coming over to your house. I got to see this. You got the tree up and everything? Everything. I'm already turning it on, like every night. It's great. I'd keep a tree up all year if it was socially acceptable. Because there's nothing like having that light on at night. It's the coziest comforting thing do you have white lights or multi lights oh we got the the multi kind so i can like hit one button and they're all oh, white. oh yeah hit one button they're all different the colors it's not even a remote it's like a foot thing yeah you just cycle through it and yeah. it does all these different ones yeah we've got one like that we love that but i like i like the the multicolor. Yeah. i'm a multicolor. see that's guy. how I, I guess because <clears throat> you always had the multicolor. that's what i like well yep. elizabeth does not like that she likes the all white so when we're both in the room, I keep it all white. When she leaves, we we turn the party on. Oh yeah, see that's party time. Yeah, yeah. Move from vanilla to yeah Neapolitan. Spice. That's right, baby. Got to get some spice. <laughs> Pretty happy today. Like all my teams are doing good. So how about this? <sighs> when we when we launched the podcast, we predicted that Clemson <laughs> would be killing it, and that aged like a fine wine. <laughs> It, it, all of our listeners know that we do this because they know they see the pot. So we're in end of October, and they stink. And <laughs> they already um, lost two. Games. They already lost two games. We They're horrible. They would kill Georgia. <laughs> they were horrible. They tried. They held their own. The defenses, but you all know they're playing Pitt this weekend. And I'm I'm scared they're going to play pit a full. And all you listeners right now already know that's the thing. Y'all are all ahead of us. It's like a time warp. Our mm-hmm. listeners are in a time warp. It's weird. And so that's kind of it's kind of a fun thing about this podcast is that our listeners are going, we already know the answer. So I'm going to make zero predictions because I'm terrified now after that one. But I will just say presently I am happy that the Bulls won their opening game of the season and that the Braves are up 3-1 against the Dodgers. Boo. But I am making no predictions. If our listeners don't know, I am a diehard Los Angeles Dodgers fan. Lifelong, since I could breathe, I have been a lifelong Dodgers fan. And my wife, who's from Georgia, pulls for the Braves. And my two sons, who I failed to raise correctly, are Braves fans. And so I am the loner. And we're in a house divided. And I took Leah to the game Sunday mm-hmm. night. Uh, the, set, with, the second game Which of the would have series. been game two of the series. And um, the Braves won in the bottom of the ninth. That was their second walk-off. A walk-off. And I had to stand there in my Dodger garb with 40,000-plus screaming fans. And and then half of them are drunk, and they don't mind saying things to you and abusing <laughs> you. And you just have to stand there and <clears throat> take it. And uh, so, But she was happy. It was her birthday, so she was happy. And that's all that mattered. But, yeah, I think it's the year of Georgia because – the Georgia Bulldogs are doing great, mm. and the Atlanta Braves are doing great. I don't know. Maybe the Falcons and the no. Hawks will. Falcons aren't great. Uh, so Hawks probably aren't. I mean, Hawks are going to be fine, but they're not going to win the championship or anything. Okay. I don't know. All I know is that if the Braves like finally beat y'all, you are not going to be happy. No, I will not be happy. Missed but it, guys. It's we, okay. He missed it. Went right over his head. No, we will not be happy. 
this is an episode about happiness. So, <laughs> but I'm not happy right now. I'm just, I'm not going to be happy. Won't even give in to the pun. I'm not. I'm not giving in to the pun because right now I'm so weighted down with that nine-two loss last night in L.A. See, all the all of our listeners already know who who's won the World Series. Oh, that is true. They know who's won the World Series. They know Series. exactly who's won. You know, last year we're going to get to the topic. Folks. We're going to get there. I've got to get happy. Just before. like skip through if you need to. If you're sick of this. if you're sick of this top, but Just I'm, skip. I'm 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 an, I need some. Listen, don't skip. I need some. <laughs> I need some therapy, people. I need your help, okay, because I'm just having to work through this. But the one thing that I do have that I can grasp that helps me is that we were the World Series champs last year. I mean, And we were down three games on y'all, and we came back and did the miraculous. And, yes, I use the word miraculous. Wow. And we came back down three to one and beat y'all three games in a row. That is the ultimate choke artist. So I mean, even if yeah, you that's win, what Georgia sports do. Even if you win the World Series this year, I have the comfort of knowing that you're still the world's greatest choke artist. But I mean, you're not wrong. No, but like, I can't even argue with. I'm going to pull for the stupid Braves. If they beat my Dodgers, I, I'm I'm going to pull for them before I'll pull for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, oh, or the yeah. Houston Astros. And if it's, it's the Houston Astros, Houston. if it's Houston. Then I will definitely be pulling oh. for the Braves because they're a bunch of cheaters who cheated the Dodgers out of a World Series just the a few years ago. The whole country, if you were to make a map, if it was the Houston Astros, it would be all red representing Braves, and then there'd be this tiny little dot where Houston is. They're cheaters. They are cheaters. They're vile, wicked, unworthy people. Yes. That's what they are. It's amazing yes. how we get all bent out of shape about a bunch of grown men playing a boys' game, getting paid millions of dollars. Who could care less? If, yes, yeah. if you're out there and watch them, they could care less. They're out there laughing and cutting up with each other. But fans, we feel differently. We're in it. I want to be happy. Well, I guess we're going to start talking <laughs> about happiness. <laughs> I think this may be our longest rambling intro yet. We are at six minutes. Well, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm feeling better, folks. You're helping me. This is catharsis. <laughs> I need this. I'm gonna put, I need this. I'm going to put in the description of this episode like zero minutes to six minutes talking about sports. Six minutes talking about the album. There we go. That's it. <laughs> well, right, what, are, what are we talking about today? Talking, today we are talking about happiness. And specifically, we're going to be talking about happiness as defined by the theologian of the name Thomas Aquinas, because he's got a really kind of good, nuanced, interesting view about it. So we're going to be looking uh, at what he says. And first, we need to ask, who is Thomas Aquinas? So real quick, he's a theologian in the 13th century, so that's the 1200s. He is an Italian theologian, and his last name is not Aquinas. He is from the Aquino region. So it's kind of like he's Thomas from... Aquino. Aquino, basically, yeah. So if he was uh, alcoholic, he'd be the wino from Aquino. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm gonna be. You're gonna drive the bus, and I'm gonna be throwing in zingers all day today. That's that's how we've got this one set up, folks. Oh boy. So to, <laughs> so for the the folks who are like really into Thomas, which I like him, but I don't. He's written so much. It's it's like. You could spend your whole life reading it. Like they, he's a he's a big, big in the deal. Catholic Church, right? Isn't he a big deal? He's a big deal for everybody. Like Catholic theology and yeah. like in 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 high church academia, they love Thomas Aquinas. Isn't that right? Like, isn't he I, the? I mean, really, for any, I, I would say Thomas Aquinas is important for anybody. The Catholic Church, especially, they've named him um, like a Doctor of the Church. 
So he is one of the most important medieval theologians for the Catholic Church, but really for for everybody. Thomas is most famous for his five proofs for the existence of God, which I'm not smart enough and I don't know them. But um, you know, he he was very big uh, with scholastic theology that he wanted to use reason to be able to prove the existence of God. Now he wasn't like any sort of theological liberal, like as you see, he's, he loves the Bible. Uh, he, he preaches theology. Now it's not like we want to replace the Bible, but he wanted to be able to prove God's existence apart from it, then lead you to that special revelation. Yeah. So, um, very big in a philosophy, proving the existence of God, but even, uh, you know, for, for Protestants wanting to do apologetic work, um, for his work on, uh, what we call natural law that, um, you know, God has, put in pretty obvious, uh, well, natural laws, ways of how, basically being able to see how things were designed and how they were meant to go. For instance, the Anglican Richard Hooker, when they separated from the Catholic Church and there were a lot of Presbyterian dissenters, he, he relied heavily on Thomas Aquinas and the argument from natural law to basically say the Episcopal form of government makes the most reasonable sense. I say all that to say he's very widely read. We're not talking about any of that today. Right. I'm not smart enough to get in to the smartest things about Thomas, but he has got a great section in his book called the Summa Theologica, really the summary of theology on happiness. And 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 probably the first reaction is wait a minute, is, is like happiness a spiritual thing? Is this a God thing? About an emotion? A, let's talk about God is what's but it there really is a biblical concept for happiness. And and we we see this this language carried on with other uh, theologians. So for instance John Wesley who like we trace our heritage back to as like our great, 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 great grandfather <laughs> in yeah. the sense of starting uh, more kind of a holiness movement. He he talked about how the goal of the the Christian life was to be holy and happy. To be holy and happy. So uh, they're not using happiness in the sense that we would where it is a, a temporary emotion, but I think as we're going to see um, Thomas and others would use happy as a sense of being satisfied in God, complete in God, reaching my purpose and my end. Okay, so so our listeners, we'll, make a, we'll connect some dots here. The Beatitudes, mm-hmm. blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Mm-hmm. All right, that word blessed, we use it all the time. Yep. Okay, down south we say bless your heart. We love, we love <laughs> to talk, but... but I remember one version, it might have been the, the NIV said, oh, how happy, one version said, oh, how happy mm-hmm. are the meek, for they yeah. shall inherit the earth. So there, within the word blessed, there's actually the concept of happiness. Yeah. So if you're wondering, yeah, it really is a very strong, common biblical concept. Yes, Probably don't talk enough about it, right? I don't think we do at all. Okay, so we're going to do that today. So today, um, <clears throat> what we're doing is our teaching from Thomas Aquinas is pulled from his like magnus opum, like his greatest work called um, the Summa Theologica, and we're getting it from basically what's called the Prima Secunde in Latin, um, which is the first part of the second part. <laughs> so he's doing great with his chapter divisions. He's really crushing it there. So if you ever wanted to go read this, it's in the first part of the second part. But really, I say all that to say is what we're delivering today is we're not going to break out the Summa and start reading large portions of it. We've just taken the we've just taken the ideas and kind of distilled them down to talk to you like normal people. But if you wanted to read about where we actually got this, you can read that for free online. And here's another cool fact about Thomas before we get going, because I just remembered this. He's working on this massive work for like 
12 years of his life or maybe more. I can't actually remember years of his life. And, um, he's, you know, working on it, working on it, working on it. And he reports that one day he had a vision from God and whatever happened in this vision was so powerful, was so miraculous, was so stunning. He said, basically everything else I have written is, is straw. Doesn't matter. Wow. Compared to the vision of God that I had and he put the pen down and he never finished it. Really? Yeah. Not as like an atheistic, this is all straw, but as like a, I've beheld something too glorious and whatever this vision was, I'm done. Man. Crazy. Crazy that, stuff. That's, I mean, that had to be real yeah. to have that kind of effect on someone. To spend your whole life doing this and then just like put it down. Kind of crazy. Man. <clears throat> All right. Now that we've, we've uh, rambled enough about happiness, let's start working, or about Thomas Aquinas, let's start working on his argument for happiness. How does he kind of um, start working this thing out? So let's work through it. So Thomas starts out with talking about how every human has a reason and has a will. So with our free will, we're always making decisions. Every time that we use our will, we're making a decision. And so every time you make a decision, you always do it with a set end in mind. You do it with a goal in mind. So the first action you take, even in a series of like 400 actions, you always have an end purpose in mind. So think about this. If I take the first step towards the fridge, I have got the end goal in mind of satisfying my thirst, right? But in between that first step and that end step, I got several more steps. I got to open the fridge. I've got to grab the Diet Dr. Pepper. I've got to open it. I have to drink it, you know, so on and so forth. But everything that I do has an end in mind, right? Like it has a purpose. So this is just like on an individual person scale. But imagine this on an overall human scale. That if every person has an end in mind, then for all of humanity, Thomas says that humanity, like as a type of, of creature, we must have an end in God's mind. We must have a, perf- a, a, a purpose, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we use our will to take the first step and reach a goal. God has created humanity. We're made, but we have an end goal in mind. We have a final end. So we have to kind of ask, what is our end? So think about this, like the common end of every car is to work and to drive. It has got a purpose. The common end of every table is you might start with one leg, but you got to end with four. It's got to be able to hold things up. As created beings and as common humanity made by God, we've got to ask ourselves, what is our purpose? What is our end? What's the, what is the end goal here? Um, and so then he begins talking about this, that every human being has an end, and he believes that we're all working towards that end. So every time that we desire, we're desiring the good for us and never the bad. We're trying to reach our purpose, which is the good for us, which is perfection for us. Every single human being shares in the need to have their desires met and to will the good for themselves. Therefore, all of humanity was created for the last, for a last end, which is their total good and the satisfaction of all of their desires. Are you still with me? Yeah. So you're saying that, that, that the purpose in life then is, is the total good and satisfaction of our desires. That's right. 
So when I have desires, my purpose is to try to fulfill those desires. That's right. Okay. And every time that we have a desire, we're always doing it with our good in mind. So the the human life is having desires, seeking to fulfill those desires, and then truly believing this is for my good. Okay. So every day we're working to stop having all these desires hitting us in the heart and then to do the very best for us. We're all marching towards just ultimate good, if that makes sense. Okay. So think about this. Even the bad things we do are done with the intention of the good for us. So like this is terrible, but like killing somebody else maybe is meant to satisfy our desire for justice or anger or revenge or peace or whatever. Now, it doesn't mean that killing that person is actually good or actually good for us, but in your brain at the time, you're like, well, this is, you know, this is the best decision to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Think about this. No one becomes an alcoholic, like, for the purpose of ruining their life. It maybe starts with the first drink just to be cool. Then it starts with the second drink just to feel good and, and have a good time. Then it's, then it's used to numb yourselves and, and so on and so forth until you've ruined your life. But the end, you may have ruined your life, but it began with you thinking, hey, I'm doing something really good for myself. Yeah. So every human decision is we're always trying to do the very best for us. Even, um, even suicide is done to alleviate pain. So if someone were to commit suicide, they're not doing it for the end goal of harm, but for the end goal of what they perceive to be good. So you have really removed the moral element out of everything you've said right now. Where We have totally taken out <laughs> whether all these things are right or wrong. I've really noticed that. Absolutely. We're really in a very narrow channel here of that, that we're just wanting that, that, that the end goal of humanity is to fulfill our desires. And they can be as simple yep. as getting up, working, brushing our teeth, whatever, or it can be grander things, or it can be things that are mm-hmm. that are wicked or malevolent or whatever. So, but we're Sounds not talking. Right? But right now, we're not talking about whether they're right or they're wrong or nope. good or bad. You're just you're in a kind of vein. Okay, so I'm, I'm good. I'm with you so far because so, right now my yeah. my right and wrong meter is going. Whoa, oh yeah, <laughs> that's not right. No, that's not right. So think about this. Thomas is basically looking at us and going, these are the decisions you make every day. What, right. is, what is the human's point? We're always searching for the good. We're, we're, we're always doing what we believe is best for us. So our whole goal is to just do the good for us. But then he says, and this is where you make the right point, the problem with humanity is we're always seeking to satisfy our desires and have something good, but nothing in this world can actually satisfy us. And if we want to drop original sin in there, our desires are actually warped. So oftentimes what we think are good for us or the desires we want to satisfy are actually sinful, evil, and wrong. Like, like I'm thinking of somebody who's lazy yep. and their, their, their desires just lay around all day or play video games or do, do anything else but work. Exactly. Okay, And they think, well, that's my desire. That's what I want. Well, the problem is... That's a bad desire. Exactly. Because if you don't work, then I think it's, you know, we've said this, laziness is actually sin. It's sin. Uh, it goes against the, the divine design. The point is that the intention of every human is to bring the good upon themselves, but because of sin, where we seek to find the good actually ends up in a whole lot of destruction. So the desires, where we're headed here, 
need to fall within the parameters of the divine design. Amen. That's it. Is that it? That's it. Okay. So our desires, warped by sin, messed up, we're always going, I want to do the very best thing for me, but oftentimes, most of the time, we're seeking satisfaction in good and things that can't give it to us. We're always seeking for it in the world. We try our best to reach satisfaction through the things of this world, but it never ends our desires. It's either messed up, it either leads to destruction, to harming ourselves or other people, or there's always something missing. So think about this. No matter how much food you eat, right? I want to do the good for myself so that I stay alive. You always got to eat again. Right. Food can't satisfy me ultimately. It's always lacking. No matter how much money you have, money in itself is literally just paper or it's numbers on a screen. It can't satisfy. But then you buy stuff with that money, but stuff can't satisfy. There's always something new. The shine wears off. A new model comes out. Does that make sense? Oh, it can't satisfy. That's truth. That's life right there. I, I remember uh, uh, John D. Rockefeller, if you remember your American history, one time was the richest man in the world. And uh, a reporter said, Mr. Rockefeller, when will you have enough money? And he paused and he said, when I have just a little bit more. Mm. So that's that's your Shows point. the human greed. He exactly. had all the money in the world, more yep. than anybody else, but he wasn't happy. Yep. He had to have a little bit more. So you're right. It doesn't satisfy. So we have desires for money, and we think that money is good for me because it can get stuff, and then that'll make me happy, but my, my desires are never satisfied. I always want more. And then the thing about money is money can't buy certain things like love. Like money can buy adult, like a gold digger, can't but it can't purchase love. love. Exactly. Little Beatles going right there in my head. Can't buy me. Okay, go ahead. Like I said, folks, I'm the zinger today. <laughs> but it can't buy love. And even if we seek after love we get in this life, it's finite. Right. It's imperfect. So you may have a wonderful marriage with a wonderful wife, but eventually she's going to do something wrong. She's going to hurt you. Your husband's going to mess up. Uh, your mom may love you amazingly, but she can't satisfy your desire for love. She's going to die one day. Yeah. She, she's not going to be there for you uh, to love you. Um, the idea is that in this world, there are things that can't satisfy you. We, we might seek a good time. We might seek after pleasure. I mean, if I can just have enough um, stuff that makes me feel good, if I can just be entertained all the time, maybe you know we're, we're seeking a good time so we drink alcohol, but our desire need to feel good and have fun isn't satisfied. And then now your decisions created new desires, such as the desire to stop puking or to comfort <laughs> from your headache or to stop the emotional pain you did from doing something really dumb while you were drunk. I mean, this image of uh, Bill Cosby's himself that he did years ago, stand up, which is one of the funniest things that ever been done in the world. Whatever y'all think of Bill Cosby, but it is one of the funniest things ever been done. And he talked about when you get drunk and he said, your to he said, the toilet becomes your best friend. And he said, you're, you're puking in the toilet after you've drunk too much. And you're saying, I love you, toilet. Toilet, you're so wonderful. And he said, that's what, that he said, that's what drunk people do. He said, they start talking to the toilet. Like, <laughs> you just like look dumb. Yeah. So then the idea is that I'm trying to satisfy, satisfy my desire to feel good, and I may have satisfied it with the alcohol, but I just created four new desires to get out of prison and stop throwing up and end the headache and whatever else I did while I was drunk. So there, there, there are limitations to what anything or anyone in this world can do to satisfy those desires. Thus, in trying to fulfill that purpose, nothing in this world 
has the capacity to do that. Absolutely. Every decision I make, I go, man, this is for my good. This is going to satisfy me, but it's never really for my good if it's in this world and it will never satisfy me in this world. And so it, it's temporary. It's temporary. And I, you know, I know your next points here. It's, it's, it's kind of temporary. I know when, when I was preparing for today, my, my immediate recollection is the book of Ecclesiastes. It's good. Where, so I don't know if you had that in the notes. I didn't see I it, but that was my media. And if I, the older I'm getting, when I was younger, I don't know that I appreciate, I, I read Ecclesiastes and there were things about it I liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that I'm getting older, because it, it is such a philosophical book to be a, a book of the Bible. Uh, now that I'm, I'm older, I'm really appreciating the book of mm-hmm. uh, Ecclesiastes. And if you read it, Solomon, who is the richest guy in the world, the wisest man in the world, the most powerful man in the world, in a sense, um, has the capacity and the ability to do exactly what we're talking about here and explore every avenue mm-hmm. of, uh, or, or uh, in an attempt to fulfill all to of his satisfy his desires, desires. Yeah. right? And he did it. So we're we're talking about it here. Hypothetically, he yeah. did it. And if you read Ecclesiastes, the first couple, three chapters, he tells you, I tried this, okay? I had the capacity to do it. I tried it. I did it. It doesn't work. It never satisfied. Mm-hmm. It never, it, it doesn't, you know, he said, just, I can tell you right now. He said, none of it, it's all, he called it vanity. Yeah. So that's all that little vanity of vanities, all is vanity. If you ever heard that, mm-hmm. meaningless, meaningless. And that's what he said. He said, it's, it's empty, it's yeah. empty. Can't can't do it for you. So we're talking about being satisfied, being happy. So what he was essentially saying is, didn't make that might have temporarily, momentarily mm-hmm. made me happy, but it's so fleeting. It, it, in fact, I, I think I love how uh, Thomas quotes this Christian philosopher named Boethius, and and he says this: anyone that chooses to look back on his past excesses will perceive that pleasures had a sad ending, and if they can render a man happy. There is no reason why we should not say that the very beasts are happy too. That's a great quote. If you look back on your past ex- excesses, the time you went to that all-you-can-eat buffet or that time in your life where maybe you kind of wilded it out, you kind of left God a little bit and did whatever you want, it might have felt good in the moment. Like you said, it's fleeting. He says it ends with a sad ending. Sad ending, and yeah, that's he, it. Then he appeals to us as, as human beings. We are made higher than the creatures. He's like, think about this. If you're telling me I can be fully satisfied by things of this world, then we should say that you're as equally happy and, and as important as your dog Skippy, too. That yeah. even the very beasts are happy. Like, you're going to say the cow and the dog Skippy and whoever else are on the same level as you of meaningfulness and purpose. Like, you're lowering yourself to a beast if you think just, like, having enough food and having enough stuff is what can really do it for you. Well, you're lowering not only yourself, but all of humanity. That's right. The concept of humankind. And then then when you do that, then the whole Imago Dei is out, the whole image of God, the whole purpose of God, created with a purpose, Adam and Eve— every bit of that you've just wiped out mm-hmm. and you've put us down there, like you said, with a, with a, with a frog or a toad or a, or a snake or a rat— and we're not. And that's why what we're saying today is that if you're going to go after things and be, try to be happy and have desires, you've got to do it within these parameters that says they have a place. Yeah. But they, there's certain things they can achieve. There's certain things they'll never achieve that only God can achieve. Yep. 
which is obviously you guys know that's where we're headed yeah. with this. And so really our final kind of point of this primer before we start going in depth about the things that can't make us happy. So like you've seen in the title, we're going to talk about why honor and fame and glory can't make us happy. But our final point of the primer is this, is that if we've already named all of these things that can't satisfy us, food and pleasure and fame and love and all of these things, if we're seeking for our ultimate good and perfect satisfaction, we know that happiness is found in our perfect good and complete satisfaction. But where in the world do we find that? It can only be found in the knowledge of God. It can yeah. only be found in the knowledge of God. And, and, and that's not just, that's experiential knowledge. That's not right. just having a head knowledge, but experientially knowing him. Uh, am I, am that's I right? right. Yeah. Being in intimate relationship, relationship with him. Yeah. To, to the level, uh, uh, to the level and beyond of a husband and wife intimacy is probably the closest you mm-hmm. can get. And, uh, and that's when you find, and I like the word you said, perfect. Mm-hmm. The perfection comes in him who is perfect. That's right. Yeah. So that was kind of our primer of, um, I know it was kind of a long primer, but why is, why is Thomas talking about this? How, how is he viewing our, our goal for happiness? How, how is it that we try to approach happiness by fulfilling all our desires? And, you know, spoiler alert, because we're, let's talk about God. It's going to be found in God. But before we get there, we're going to do an episode episode on that in about three episodes where we we take a deep dive in what it means to actually be truly satisfied by God. Thomas spends a lot of time pointing out the common ways that humans try and find satisfaction in this world. So he talks about how we try and find satisfaction in pleasure. We try and find satisfaction in money. We try and find satisfaction in all these different things. And today... As we close this episode, the the kind of back half of this episode, we're going to ask, why does honor, fame, and glory, things that people try to use to satisfy their life, to make themselves happy, why can't honor, fame, and glory make you happy? Why can't that thing in this world make you happy? So uh, I, I use the example, I won't say his name, but when I was in high school, we were sitting at lunch one day and this kid came up to our table and he was holding a firecracker in his hand and he just sat down and he had this like sketchy little grin on his face. And he's like, do you guys want me to throw this firecracker? And I can't remember if we like said yes, obviously not thinking he's going to do it or just kind of reacted at him. None of us at the table thought this kid's going to light a firecracker and throw it inside of this public school building. He walks away. He walks away. Next thing we know, he comes back for about two seconds, firecracker lit, throws it at the other lunch table and walks away. It lands on some, like, you know, lands on the table in front of somebody. And then it looks like we're on World War II. The whole table jumps and like ducks for cover. And we're all over at our table just watching it like, oh my goodness. And it starts, you know, blowing up and making all the noise and everybody's freaking out. But no one in the room at the time knew who did it except for us. So then we get back to our class and we hear over the intercom, there is a $50 reward for whoever can tell us who threw that firecracker. I sprinted to the front, but somebody else got there before me (laughs) to rat him out. Hey, $50 is $50. Well, we know what your price is. (laughs) 
is love. I'm cheap. Love. You're cheap. <laughs> but it's so funny because the reason that he threw that firecracker like wasn't a very good reason. He just wanted to impress people. He just kind of wanted to be the class clown. He wanted approval from other people. He wanted, he wanted laughs. He wanted us to tell stories about him. Like he just wanted us to think that he was kind of cool for doing this ridiculous thing. It worked. You're you're telling it now. I mean, I'm telling it now. Yeah. But the truth is, is that seeking the praise of other people, seeking honor, praise, and fame really can't do it for us. Like we think it can. Like in the moment, he thought throwing this firecracker is the best possible decision. But in reality, ended up getting him in trouble. I'm sure in trouble with his parents. He like probably got you know suspended or something like that. It really wasn't worth it for him to throw the firecracker. And you know, now all of those people don't even talk to him as far as I care, as far as I know, excuse me. So all of these people that he sacrificed to impress. We don't. Need, we're not even a part of his life anymore. All right. So I'm going to get ahead of you. What? So what he did was bad. What he did broke the rules. What about honor in a acceptable sense? What? What if you have honor or recognition um, for doing good? Mother Teresa, uh, somebody who who makes a large charitable donation to a local food shelter or whatever, and they put it in the paper, you know, they maybe they even want it in the paper, but uh, how, how does that work? So think about it like this. Um, you know, it seems like all the happy people have plenty of honor, like you said. So like name people who have done some wonderful things. Seems like they're pretty happy. They're content and they're, they have lots of honor. People pat them on the back and compliment them. So it seems like, Hey, that must make me happy. It seems like you know, let's do good things. Good things make me feel good. And when I get honor, I'll feel good. So let's go after that. The problem with it is this, and this is what Thomas says. He says, the real thing that makes you happy is the thing you're doing to get the honor from the people. It's not the honor that satisfies you, but it's things the thing you're doing to then get praise from other people that makes you happy. You can't just get honor on your own. People aren't going to pat you on the back because you just sit in your mom's basement all day. You have to go and actually do something. When people see something excellent and good in you that's already satisfying you and making you happy, that's when you come get the honor. All right, what if I do something sincerely, genuinely, to just help somebody with no intention at all that I'm wanting to get praise for. <clears throat> you know, people do things anonymously. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess you say, well, then, then they'll never get honor because nobody knows who they are. Exactly. But, but what if somebody does do something, uh, all right, a hero, a guy who who saves his buddy in a foxhole or, you know, the, the guy who k- kills all the enemies and he's just, he's just it's in the moment. He's just trying to save his buddies and save his life. And then now he's a hero and he gets the honor and he, they give him the gold the bronze star or the silver star or whatever. Um, I, I think there are moments when you can do things that are honorable oh, yeah. with sincerity. So we don't want to make it seem like it's always sin. But I, I think the point that Thomas makes and we're making is even those moments, that's not going to make you happy long-term. Absolutely. Is that, that's the point, right? Is the, it The point is that the thing that makes him happy is the thing that he's doing. So what gives the hero internal satisfaction isn't, I'm going to be on the news later. 
And people are going to know my name. The happiness it's, is in the in the very act that he's doing. That's what satisfies. Virtuous. Yeah, that's what satisfies. To save him. the people, to save my country, or to bake a cake and take it to and the next door the, neighbor yeah. who's sick, or to to donate some clothes to the family whose house burned down. And you have no. Your only purpose is because you feel sorry for me. You you have sympathy. You you love, and you just you just want to help. You turn around, walk mm-hmm. off. You're done. Exactly. But that act is what makes us happy. Exactly. But then to stay perpetually happy means you got to be doing those. So even actions of charitable actions don't have the capacity. Can be exhausted. Yeah. To, yeah, they're exhausted. They 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 they're they're not comprehensive. They're going to run out. Exactly. And so doing good works and doing those kind of things that are honorable and it, it are great, which, thank God, we need people mm-hmm. to do lots of that. But when it comes to what we might call perpetual happiness or sustained happiness. Complete satisfaction. It's not, you're not going to find it. It's, it's still going to have to come back to God. And that's where this divine image and the divine creation with divine purpose brings us back around to it. You know, I was thinking about something you said earlier is that, the, the psalmist said that in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. Mm. And at his right hand, which means in his presence, there are pleasures forevermore. Yeah. D- did you get the last word? Forevermore. The perpetual, eternal sense of fulfillment and happiness and and my desire satisfied is, I mean, the Bible says it's just when you have a relationship with God and you're, and you have his presence, his ever abiding presence. That's just not like being in church on Sunday morning. That's talking about just walking with him and living with him 24 mm-hmm. hours a day. That, that creates perpetual happiness, mm-hmm. which is different from joy, but just the pleasure you're finding your satisfaction in those things. Absolutely. Thomas says that honor feels good and honor can be intoxicating. But like the moment you pursue honor for the sake of honor, then the good thing you're doing becomes an ambition, not a virtue. It nullifies it, yeah. It becomes an ambition, not a virtue. Okay, so I'm going to throw in something here. This is what we do. Um, We're going to knock ourselves here. We're going to take a jab at what we do. Um, somebody said once that pastors have to be needed. Ooh. Yeah. Pastors have to be needed. And if they ever get to the point where they don't feel like they're needed, then it it adversely affects them. Mm -hmm. So pastors, and again, I'm not knocking us. I, I think pastors do what they do with pure motives and out of a calling. Okay. But in the human nature, we have to watch it because- if we're not careful, we're doing what we're doing with people because that makes us feel good. It makes us feel needed. Mm-hmm. It makes us feel desired. It makes us feel like we're special. And and uh, and and like you said, it can. If we're not careful, it can almost become a holy ambition. Yeah, not <laughs> Maybe, a holy virtue, not a holy, holy virtue, amb- but a holy ambition. ambition. So the, the, here, here, I'm going to put it in our realm. Where you're right, it can happen. Mm. You know, we but, so we should do things because we love people and care for people, and we we're doing this out of our calling to represent and reflect God to the to the honor and glory of God. Mm-hmm. We're not even talking about that. Is ultimately the honor should go yeah. to Him. And the danger is that when you start pursuing honor instead of the actual virtuous thing you're doing, then the thing you're doing no longer satisfies you. It now becomes a means to an end. So now preaching doesn't satisfy me because I'm obeying God and in my calling. It's just a means to try and get honor from other people. So I was at lunch yesterday with a couple of leaders from our church, and they were telling me stories 
it's funny we were talking about this. Uh, one of the guys told me a story about a guy. Uh, he th- th- this leader was in an executive level in a corporation, and he had a guy who called him and and he said called him by name said man if I can ever do anything for you now just let me know you know he was a he was connected mm-hmm. especially um, in the state we'll just keep it broad. Well the 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 guy my our church leader he had something happen. Uh, so he called this guy and he said, Hey, I got a little situation. Can you help out a family member? You know, you said, yeah, I can take care of it. Well, he took care of it. Well, then later he called my, our, my friend and he said, Hey, he said, uh, I got a situation down here at the other. He said, can you get one of your guys from your company to go down here and take care of it for me? Mm. And he said, sure, I'll take care. And he took care. But he said, it was at that moment I realized with this guy, what he did for me when he said, Hey, whatever, if I can ever help you do, he wasn't doing it with sincere he was doing it to obligate me, yeah. So that he in turn can say, "Hey, I need you to. I scratched your back. I need you to scratch mine." Yeah. And that was the point. And the other guy, he told a story about a guy because they were both in corporate, and so they were both telling me stories. And I told him a story from the church, yeah, about a guy who pulled that junk on me one time, mm-hmm. and uh, and I real quick called him out on it and embarrassed him. And I and I said, you know, you you've been kind to me and my family, but I thought you were doing it. Your impression you gave me was you were doing it out of goodness and kindness. But now you're telling me you're obligating me. You want me to, I said. Then you don't want it. I'm going to say, you know what? And I told him, of course, you know your dad. I said, here's how this is going to work. I'm doing this for you. We're going to do this for you. I said, then we're done. We're even. I said, the debt's paid. <laughs> Boy, he was, oh, he was backing up. Because, you know, he just was, I called him out. Yeah. And I told him, I said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I said, you are a church leader. Yeah. I said, you're supposed, I expected, I told him, I said, I expected more out of you. I said, I'll be quite honest. I'm disappointed you'd even pull this crap. Mm. I said, but but you ought to be ashamed of yourself. But I said, we're going to do this for you. I said, but do you understand? I said, do you understand me? He was like, he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, we're even. I said, mm. don't you ever do this to me again. I said, you're not going to make me owe you anything. Mm. But that's what I'm saying. It can happen in the church, not sure just corporate can. world. So, and And just the last thing about honor, and then we're going to talk about fame and glory Thomas really kind of asked this question, who cares about being honored for something you don't even care about? So you think about it like this way, you start doing something just because it's virtuous, because it satisfies you, because it's a good thing. Now you do it just because you want people to honor you and it becomes a means to an end. And now you don't even like it anymore because you're not doing it for the sake of itself. You love honor more, you know, people patting you on the back, complimenting you more than that. Well, that's a form of pride, right? Then it's like, who wants to waste my time doing something I don't really care about just so that people will pat me on the back? And, you know, this is kind of like a common trope in TV shows, you know, the the famous person or the, the professional athlete or the singer, they get in it because they love it so much and it's just their favorite thing to do, but then they start making a bunch of money or they get really famous or they lose their friends and their family members over it or, you know, whatever. And, uh, and then they realize I don't even want to be a celebrity anymore. I used to do this, this thing X, Y, Z just for the sake of it. And now it's become something else. Yeah, and we kind of see that played the, out. The, whatever is the pure motives, for, the pure desire becomes diluted. Exactly. Again, I guess, and we got to keep going back is just, that if if you put God in that mix, God helps you to keep grounded. God mm-hmm. helps you to because the people who do it, who who are grounded in God, they we always deflect the glory back to God. You know, people mm-hmm. say, "Hey, look, the only reason I've got this talent, the only reason I can do this, is because it's it's a gift from God." And those are the people that are the most grounded. And you and you should deflect that honor because don't we sing all the honor goes yeah. to Him? Right, all the honor. Mm. I mean, do we really mean that? Or are we going to say, well, some of the honor I'm going to take for myself? 
I mean, yeah. that, that's kind of practical. But yeah, absolutely. Things we sing and say in church. I mean, isn't isn't that fit here? Doesn't that fit? And I think something that applies to Christians as well is, and you know, this is kind of like what Jesus talking about in the Sermon on the Mount to the Pharisees, like. Make sure you don't do spiritual things just for the approval and the honor of other people. The Pharisees would go pray very loudly in King James language uh, out on the street corner to be spiritual or drop a ton of money uh, into the, you know, sowing into the temple for people to think that they're good or, you know, they would make themselves look like they've been fasting for a long time. We can do the same thing today. I, I think it's good when you share spiritual things on social media, as long as it's the right motive. But if you're posting your morning devotion on Instagram, just to flex that you're having a morning devotion, maybe maybe your motives are off. Well, he said they have received their reward. Yep. So it's done. That's what he's saying. If you do that. It's come and gone. You got it. Okay, whatever it was that you wanted, that desire got mm-hmm. fulfilled. But he said, it's over. Yeah. That's your reward. There's no spiritual connection. There's nothing that's long lasting. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's going to take you into eternity or carry you on. Uh, even Jesus recognized the mm-hmm. the, the tem- temporariness. That's a word. Uh, the temporalness of 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 that kind of activity. Mm-hmm. So finally, and and we'll wrap up with this. Is he asks, why can't fame and glory make me happy? So if honor is just being complimented, fame and glory is being well known and praised, as Ambrose says. So this is actual fame. Like this is kind of like being a celebrity. This is everybody knowing your name and then praising you for the thing that you've done. So honor may be more private. You may be seeking honor from a select group of people or, you know, whatever. This is actually being famous. Fame and glory seem good. I mean, after all, to be famous is to be eternally remembered. So in a sense, to be famous gives you a form of eternity, does it not? Not everybody knows your name for all of time because you're famous. Um and glory is something we give to God. It's a good thing. So shouldn't that make us happy too? Right? And so we can kind of ask these questions. But the problem with fame and glory is threefold. One, it relies on having something good within you. We've already been over this and we won't cover it again. Same kind of point. But two, it's so often based on something fake. Oftentimes people try and get fame and glory by being something they really aren't or by doing something they can't really do, by living a lie, by saying, I want people to like me, to be famous, to pat me on the back, and I will fake it as far as I have to go just so that people will do it. And so now, once again, it's an ambition where the means justify the end of being well-known. When I uh, when I taught this in person, uh, I played for our students. I don't think they had ever heard of them before. I played for them a video of Millie Vanilli. That's, that's <laughs> Do you remember cl- them? Oh, that's, that will stand. <laughs> that's going to go on forever. Everybody's going to know about Millie Vanilli. So Millie Vanilli was this, like, this singing duo. I think they were like yeah, two French guys. and something else in the like, 80s. And they were like a big deal for a long, long time. And then eventually... They uh, they were at a live concert, you know, finger quotes live performing, and whatever they were playing off of the CD or the record or whatever their music track. was playing off the track started repeating. It started skipping, 
So then they're out there performing and it was just repeating the same thing over and over. And eventually they just, I think they just cut it and kind of ran off stage or whatever. And at that point they were ousted. They, they were, were exposed that they were fake. They were lip syncing. Yeah. That was the thing. They were the lips and they were an air band. It's which if you go back and you actually read the story, it's kind of sad because I, my understanding is the guys were like actually decently talented, but it was sort of the people behind the scenes sort of coerced them into doing some certain things. So. It's kind of like the monkeys from the 60s who had a TV show. Mm-hmm, they were yeah. the band that wasn't the band. They weren't real. Yeah, yeah, they were just actors. <laughs> they were actors, and, and they were musicians, but they weren't really a band. And, yep. then, and then they did the same thing when they did concerts. They were, I think they played tracks or whatever, but yeah, they had hit singles and everything on mm-hmm. the radio, but they, they, they were the band that wasn't really a band. So the, the the detriment here is that you end up living a lie. Um, and tell me what you think about this, but I think this is almost even worse nowadays because it's so easy to get famous now. And it's so easy to fake something or whatever on social media, using programs, using whatever else. I can almost kind of build this lie about myself through a social media presence and following and get famous just for the sake of getting famous and making a bunch of YouTube or Instagram ad money or whatever else, I think this is kind of, I think it's very, very relevant, maybe even more so than in Thomas's day because of technology. I, I, I think you're right. I think because the internet, my thought is going in this direction is first of all, you're right. Anybody can be famous because the internet, you could you can create and generate fame. Create a persona. I think the thing is, the question is, the greater question is, what are you famous for? Mm-hmm. So if it's if it's a cat video, if it's doing something stupid, if it's doing something immoral, great, you're famous, but that's what your fame is. Does that make you happy? Mm-hmm. Okay, d- d- does it make you happy? Again, I'm absolutely 100% certain it might momentarily temporarily make you feel good but after a while you, you, you people move on to the next thing yeah so it depends on what you're famous for now history has shown that that the people who are famous that we remember in history books and whatever were, weren't really trying to be famous mm-hmm. they were trying to achieve something yeah so Probably the greater th- fame comes from genuine achievement. The people who were never asking for it. They were just doing something, like the founding fathers. Yeah. They, they were just trying to break us free from England and King George and st- set up a new country. I, I don't know if they knew they were going to become founding fathers and famous, and uh, George Washington never thought his face would be on every $1 bill mm-hmm. and a city would be named after him. So... I, I think there's a difference. The bottom line is that fame, if that fame follows you after death, it's meaningless. Yeah. It does you no good. So there's no happiness to be found. If somehow that fame finds you in this life, you read over and over again, Evan, stories and documentaries come on TV all the time of people who become famous who are the most miserable mm-hmm. people in the world. Yeah. For a plethora of reasons that we're not going to cover here today. Because I think our point we're trying to make is, because this is an episode about God, is that it was ungrounded. It was it was grounded in things that 
that are temporary. If fame was all you needed, if it was what was going to make you happy, then you'd never have a downturn. But all these people with fame still are miserable. Yeah, they're they're miserable and they're not happy. And look, uh, and I think we're going to get into money, so maybe I'd hold this off the, to, to the other episode. But but you can find the stories even in the news today of the people. Um, I, I know we're getting here close to the end, but uh, uh, you got one more point, right? Yeah. Go ahead and give the last point. So uh, the last point, and I think this one is really, really powerful. Fame and glory and really honor, all three here are so shaky because it all depends on other people. Who wants to put their happiness in the hands of others? So basically the entire idea is if I'm going to be happy, someone else is to compliment me. If I'm going to be happy, other people have to know about me. If I'm going to be happy, other people have to praise me. I mean, to live at the hands of other people sounds like a prison. That doesn't sound like happiness at all. And so if you live your entire life for other people to pat you on the back, then you live as a slave and everything you're doing is just trying to impress other people and do what you have to do to get them to react. And the problem is, is that eventually people could stop doing it. Well, your happiness is contingent upon other people's opinions of you. Mm-hmm. And what a what a terrible way to live. Terrible way to now, live. Now, a lot of people do it. Comedians and actors and actresses and politicians and musicians. A lot of people do that. But it's a terrible way to live. And, and guess what? There are a few preachers that do that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> and people get on Facebook. You know what? The average people do it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And if they don't get enough likes about something they post, they, they're going into depression. They get angry. They're not happy anymore. Mm. You know, they're a, they're a, they're an angry elf. And the problem is, <laughs> yeah, they are. With it being so fragile, think about this one lie about you, then sends your entire uh, happiness pyramid crumbling down. Because if everything is built on your reputation and on people liking you, somebody can just make oh. something up about you, slander your name, and you're done. One bad review. One bad review, yep. One criticism. And, and you're not happy anymore because somebody did. What if 99% of the people liked you, but one didn't? Can mm-hmm. you still be happy? That's the problem. That's the problem with fame. Um, I know we're bringing this to a close, but there's an old song <clears throat> that is just rocking through my head right now. And it is a great song. And if you've never heard it, I'm just going to tell you the words of the chorus. The verses c- kind of say the same thing in a different way. But the chorus says, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Mm -hmm. Only he can cleanse your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew, sweet love and joy, and heaven too. For only Jesus can satisfy your soul. That's great. And the verses talk about the world may try to satisfy that deep longing in your soul. You may search the world over, but but it says you'll never find true satisfaction until you find the Lord. Mm. For only Jesus can satisfy. You. I mean, that's that's a great. That song has always been a great song because what we're talking about today it wraps it up. That's really really good. Yeah, is if you're going to find happiness, um, you you got to find that in the Lord. The blessed life has to come from the one who gives blessing from the source from the source who is the blessed one, mm-hmm. and then you live that oh how happy. Um, and the funny part is, if you look at the Beatitudes and it says, oh, how blessed, um, it's it's talking about the people who are, who seem the most least obvious to be blessed are the <laughs> poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, those who mourn. blessed are those who mourn, the, 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 the people who seem the least likely to be happy when they find God yeah. is that's when they're happy. Mm. 
and that's I think that's the point today is all these other things are 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 artificial alternatives that can't they they can't they're 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 fake replacements. Yeah. But the very people that would need happiness the most, oh how happy these people are when they come in a relationship mm. with the Lord. And I think the 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 beatitudes if you take the first a uh, few beatitudes um we have time yeah, yeah, for you. so so like I think the first the first few, like the first four, I think, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. I think those speak to people who want to be saved. Absolutely. That's what I've got in my notes in my Bible. That was the revelation I've got, that if you are poor in spirit, you're not saved. You have you're you have, humble. You have poverty in yeah, your spirit. Yeah. If you're if you mourn, it's because there's sin in your life. That's right. If you're meek, it's you know, so the meek shall inherit the earth. But I think meekness in this place is you're just beat down. If if you are hungry and thirsty for something you don't have, if I'm hungry, I don't have what I need. I need food. If I I'm need thirsty, righteousness. I need blessed are those who need right. Mm. They shall be filled. And so when you get saved. See, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Then, oh, how happy those people are. Then the rest of them, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Do, do you see how it shifts? To, those are things that righteous people do. They're merciful. They're pure in heart. They make peace with people. They don't get in fights. They're, they're persecuted for their righteousness' sake. Mm-hmm. I think that's the happiness that comes after you are saved. The beautiful part of the Beatitudes, just those three through 10, and Matthew five is, if you don't have Jesus, you can find you you can come to Jesus and He'll make you happy. And once you get Jesus, He can keep you happy. That's good. That's really good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thank you. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this episode today. We're a little more philosophical, a little more practical than usual, but we hope that you've enjoyed uh, us kind of mixing it up. As always, uh, like, give us a rating, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, if you ever have any questions. Uh, please send us a DM. The best way you can do that is go on to Facebook or Instagram and find High Praises Church and just send us a, a, a direct message there. We don't have a podcast page because this is a ministry of our church. So just go to High Praises Church, send us a direct message if you have any questions you would like us to answer, and we will answer them there. All right, thank you, and we will see you back in a couple of weeks. weeks.